Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratched, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. Once airborne, we'll let you know when you may use approved electronic devices, but note that some items may not. Well, welcome back for another episode of the Cobra Castle, the present VP. I'm the host, Ricky Rifty, the Prez Logan. Got my co-host, Ricky Dog VP Etridge. Welcome to the show. Welcome, Matt Dog. How are you, mate? You're looking uh, mighty snug there in your SCD hoodie. Yeah, mate. It's uh, first time I've worn it. I've been wearing a jacket around, but yeah, I thought I'd switch it up to the hoodie today. Um, and I'm just going to try, see how long I can go without staining it. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll just I'll see that white there, and I know I'm going to spill bloody tomato sauce yeah. or something on it. <laughs> so ketchup, nice. ketchup for our American friends that yeah. are joining us. So. I'm not worried about the tomato sauce or the ketchup. My biggest worry with white, and it happens on all my Melbourne Victory jerseys because they have that little white V, beer stains. It's just, I get a new top and within the first game of the season, it's already it's already got stains on it. And but, you know, Thankfully, I've got a good wife that knows how to get stains out of stuff because I wouldn't have any idea. I just go, yeah, ruin nice. now. Yeah, I reckon this one will clean up all right, so I should be right. But yeah, I'll, I'll probably just wear a bib for a little while. To try and keep it fresh. Um, I've got a few mate that might fit you from Oakland. <laughs> it's all right. I'm covered, mate. I've got three of my own, so I'll be right. Um, mate, we didn't get any uh, podcast recommendations no, off you the other day, so what do you got for us tonight? All right. So tonight I'm going to recommend one that our guest tonight was actually on last week, and that is a podcast called Chicks Talking Footy. So it's a podcast where a handful of women talk footy, I guess. That's pretty much the best way to subscribe. And they had Donnie on. Pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, they had Donnie Hess on. Donnie, Donnie Hess, who is our guest today on last week, chatting about um, you know, how the USAFL is all set up, how it works, and all that type of stuff. And I figure, I'd only give two, so I'm just going to scroll through my, my usual listening. Uh, okay. Uh, the Inner Sanctum podcast, I'll give as well, actually, being the fact that I've given an all-female podcast. I'll give two all-female footy podcasts this weekend. So that's, uh, so said, yeah, women, I've already, already forgotten it. Inner Sanctum. Inner Sanctum, that's it. And uh, Chicks Talking Footy. So they're the two podcast recommendations this week. Yeah, nice. And um, Donnie was also sort of the, the local uh, footy correspondent for the fourth and long podcast as well so he, uh that we we have uh, been guests on ourselves and he he goes on there regularly i think to talk footy and i tell you what when we, we've we've spoken to a fair few clubs around the place and i don't think there's been anyone that's not aussie that knows as much about football as donnie well, well the fact that when we got to chat with him i sat there and looked at him like i didn't even know that stuff yeah like, well, is that good? Okay, fair enough. He's, uh, he loves his footy. He loves his sport. He is in a place where there's no bloody professional teams to cheer on in Iowa. Um, so, yeah, he, he adopted Aussie rules pretty early. and, and made... I can confirm, mate. He also gets up at the, you know, at the crack of dawn at 3.30 in the morning to watch the, uh, the Sydney Swans play. So he's a, he's a, he's a dedicated fan, which is yeah. good to see. Yeah, that's Gets up for when sure. he can. And he is, he is sort of uh, affectionately known as Coach Hess. Uh, that's what they call him. He's the coach of the Des Moines Roosters. And, uh, mate, I'll tell you what, he knew his stuff, that's for sure. Yeah, he, so he left, you know, the fact that he, uh, stuff that he gave us, information he gave us on and off camera were, or microphone were, you know, were impressive. Um, as I said to Ross 
on the fourth long podcast that everyone that you've could have got on your show locally to talk footy with you, you've picked the right bloke because yeah, as you said, mate, he's full of knowledge. Yeah, there's probably him and Brian Barris right up there with their their knowledge, and uh, you know, one's taken a coaching route, one's a commentary commentary route, but uh, both both very uh, knowledgeable of the game, that's for sure. And uh, we could have recorded bloody three hours easy with him if we wanted to. Well, I think the only we reason, but... well, I think the only reason we sort of uh, wrapped it up in the end was because this is how much this is pre-recorded. This was recorded when Oakland, I think, was about a week old. So it was uh, to the point where I needed to get inside to take her for a little while. And if that had been two weeks earlier, yeah, we probably would have recorded for three hours and just try to edit it all out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But so how's little Oakland going? Give us a little update on the yeah, little she, one. OJ. She's good, mate. She's good. The juice, she's good. She's uh, just standard. She's two months old now. So she's just shitting, pissing and sleeping really and crying. So Living the cool. life. Yeah, mate, I tell you, it'd be nice. Yeah, but uh, she's she's doing well, mate. She's doing well. Uh, can't wait for everyone to finally meet meet her in what be December, I guess. By the time in December, by the time we're allowed out, so uh, hopefully she's still. Oh, she's you'll, you'll be able to get together at a park or something with some family and stuff soon. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think carers certificates do help with that thing, but um, <laughs> but no, it, it, she's she's good. She's she's healthy, which is the main thing. She's be. I think she's pushed on about five kilo now, so she's, she's a bit chunky. She's, uh, yeah, she's no longer that little bowl of that tiny little bowl we brought home. She's now getting decent size. So, but yeah, that's, it, it's been quite sad and disappointing that we've missed out on all that uh, the newborn excitement of people coming around and constantly, you know, seeing you and getting to hold, you know, tiny little, you know, tiny little baby. Now, when people get to hold her, she's going to be, but almost walking and get me a beer from the fridge. So. <laughs> No, nah, that's right. There's a lot of people that don't like holding the little tiny babies anyway. So she'll be at that good size where she's not too delicate. You know, people will be a bit more happy to give her a cuddle and, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you, mate. I've, uh, it, I don't blame them. Before Oakland, I'd held maybe two babies when they were that small and I had no idea what to do. And now I'm just like, yep, chuck her from the air, grab her this arm, away we go. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. All but, right. Uh, Donnie Hess. Let's get into it. Donnie Hess from the Des Moines Roosters. Enjoy this one, and we'll catch you next week. All right, so today we would like to welcome uh, the coach of Des Moines Roosters, Donnie Hess. Uh, welcome to the show, mate. How are we doing, guys? Uh, very well. Thanks for joining us, mate. We're um, keen to learn about the Roosters. Uh, it's a bit of a different name, the Roosters. But uh, first of all, I'd like to know how you've come across Aussie Rules in the first place over there. Uh, my my story is kind of a little bit different. Um, conveniently, we had a TV channel when I was growing up called um, the Fox Sports World Channel. And uh, conveniently, they had footy. So at nine or 10 years old, even as an American, I uh, had the luxury of being able to see it when I was younger. So kind of knew about it a little bit earlier than most Americans. So it was kind of interesting. And uh, so that was kind of a cool little story. Yeah, nice. So, and how did you then end up getting involved with uh, playing footy across there? Um, it ended up being kind of an interesting is one of the, the expat that kind of helped start the Roosters. Um, happened to come into the part-time job I was doing. I was working at a hardware store. and He was getting some parts for the job he was doing and noticed the accent. And I started chatting with him. And the first thing that popped into my head was rugby. And I started chatting and all of a sudden he pops up. And he goes, well, we've got a we just started a, an Aussie rules football team here in town. How'd you like to play? And I was like, um, yeah, I would definitely would. So I got his contact information, figured out training. And I started from there and went down the rabbit hole of YouTube a little bit too, watched a little bit of that stuff. And just, I kind of caught the bug and you fall in love with the game and it's hard not to, not to love it. Yeah. That's uh, nice. It's good that yeah, you had YouTube to be able to go to. I know a lot of clubs that started back in the, the 90s and stuff wouldn't have quite had YouTube to just jump on and, and learn from. But wh when and how was the club first founded and, and why did they choose the Roosters in the first place? Uh, the club actually was founded in 2009. Um, it was kind of interesting that uh, two Iowa-based guys, um, the Tyler and Wes Cameron, who was originally from uh, Story City, uh, which is out west of Des Moines, um, they had actually moved to LA when Tyler decided to be in, kind of went in for acting. He does some acting stuff here and around there. 
And he had gotten into footy while he was out there playing with the Orange City Club at the time. It was the Bombers. They've now transitioned to the Orange City Giants. Um, they, he played out there, and then his, their father got sick, so they decided to move back to Des Moines, be closer to him. They caught up with an expat here, decided, you want to know what? Let's, let's get a footy team started here in Des Moines. And that got started May of 2009. I ran into the expat, Paul Frad, who kind of helped him start the club. Uh, that June and I started training that July and I've kind of been in and around the club ever since. Yeah. Nice. <clears throat> um, so why did they choose the, uh, the colors of the red and black? And I've also noticed that you've had a jumper change or designing jumper change in the last couple of years as well. So um, what was the story behind that and the reasoning behind the change of jumper design? Um, I think especially with the first jumper is just, we wanted something a little bit more distinguished. Um, I know that with the rooster being with Iowa being a, a primarily farming community um, and farming state, uh, that's why the rooster was picked is, is we thought it was something different. I mean, I think a lot of teams just kind of go for the basic, they pick an AFL team and they go, Oh, we're going to be the insert team and then lions or magpies or anything like that. So we kind of wanted something different. And if I, believe correctly there's actually a team in the sample i think it's the north adelaide roosters they had gotten in contact with them and actually used their logo when we first started this logo was then eventually made by a past player who actually lives in perth now jared hayes and the jumper change i have to chat with some of the guys i was actually away from the club at the time I think it ended up being a design situation because they found a place that would make reversible jumpers. Um, so then we have red and uh, red jumpers and then white jumpers because unfortunately when we play Chicago a lot, which the swans are reds are pretty similar. So to kind of mediate that problem when we played Chicago, we had the reversible ones that have the white uh, main base color, which kind of helped us out. So. So I'm not exactly sure. I think it was just one of those. It was a design situation. They wanted to go for something, something a little bit different. Yeah, they're both nice looking jumpers. The first one that I've seen is a bit more sort of out there. And then the second one's a bit more traditional type. We're still a nice looking jumper and the colors are quite nice on it. Uh, so what is the club's theme song? Uh, that actually was uh, kind of just a makeshift song that was put together by our club member, Ben Judge. And it, there really isn't any like one like it it's very much kind of a chant um i'd have to go back and to ask a couple because it's been a while since i've actually sang it because most of the time being the coach i let the boys kind of enjoy singing the song i'm there but it's it's kind of it has a, a few fun innuendos in it shall we say <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. we like we like a good theme song we like oh before you go ahead Rift, you just want to point out that um how good is that they've taken because they're a farming land, they've gone the roosters. Something different, as you said, not just your standard lions, magpies, something that actually means something to the town. And you know, as I'm sure you know, Donnie, you've listened to the show that we quite like our clubs with that type of history behind them. Yeah, I, th- I always thought that was interesting when I listened to a few of it. That uh, and I'd always kind of liked it, but your guys is, is a different one. It's not one that you normally see. I mean, you look at some of the other VFL teams, different stuff like that. A lot of them are either connected to an AFL team or they just, they grab something like the Eagles or something like that. So when I caught your guys' podcast, I'm like, that's a really cool name. The Cobras, that's really cool. So. Yeah, no, we, we actually got to look into how we became the Cobras because uh, it's part of our history. We, we're not even actually sure on, but um, how did you guys go in your, your first season and how many players did you have for that season? Uh, in 2009, it was really kind of, it was kind of the building years. Um, I think the most we had that entire year was about eight or nine. Um, it was kind of a well-kept secret. Um, Des Moines isn't the biggest town. I mean, we're the smallest metropolitan area in the, in the U.S. that has a team. So we're kind of unique in so many ways. So it, it's been kind of fun sometimes to get players. That first year, like I said, we got about eight or nine. The next year was our first official year where we played our first official game as the Des Moines Roosters. And I think we probably had about 12 to 15 most of the year. So, so it, it's been building slowly. Now we're, we're getting up to the point now we're getting 15, 20, 22. We're getting to the point where we can actually put together a full side. Yeah, nice. Um, so how hard has it been to, to boost those numbers up and, and recruit? 
players. It's always interesting. It kind of each and every year is always has its different uh, challenges. The one thing that's always been kind of nice with us is that we've had a lot of guys that they caught on that first couple of years and they stayed on. There are still guys um, from 2009 that I, that I played with that are still playing today. We've got guys in their forties that are still playing. Now they're not as quick. They're not as fast. They have to kind of use their footy mind a little bit more than, than some, but we've still got some pretty, some pretty good players that, have, and that um, have been playing with us a while. And this last few years, we've actually started to get some younger players back in to kind of reboost and get the, the younger, the younger generation going. So we're hoping to continue to grow that. Um, unfortunately, COVID has uh, kind of put a little bit of a snafu on this year, unfortunately, but we're crossing our fingers that hopefully this all gets taken care of and next season we'll be able to build even more. Yeah, nice. So whereabouts do you guys train and play? Uh, we got a couple of different places we train. Um, right now, currently, we're doing just a lot of kick-to-kick stuff. Uh, we practice at a basically a park just outside of downtown called Waterworks Park that's got an amphitheater that they kind of oldled off, which is big enough for us to train. But I think the one thing for us is always hard is finding big enough grounds that we'll be able to play that aren't running into something, whether it's a building, whether it's farmland, whether it's different stuff like that, because uh, as you can kind of tell, it's just not a lot of full-length ovals in the States. So sometimes you kind of have to make shift if we've got to use a AAU football field and just play in there, play on their field, then we have to. It's just kind of – we kind of bounce around. We don't have one specific place because each and every season sometimes can have its own challenges. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Yeah, we've heard all around the world that um, trying to get a ground is quite difficult. Um, so you guys play in the central region for regionals against teams like our friends Rifty, uh, the Wisconsin Wombats, Dallas, um, Houston, Denver. Have you guys had much success at the central regionals? Um, it's kind of been back and forth a little bit. Um, it all just kind of depends on our numbers. I know this last year we, mer- we merged with Chicago and ended up finishing third in division two, which was kind of nice. We did pretty well. The Chicago guys have been a group that we've slowly gotten uh, to know more. Um, Kind of the biggest issue and challenge sometimes is having Minnesota close to us and they're always really good. Um, So they're always kind of the ones that kind of push us a little bit, but it's Chicago, Minnesota, us and Wisconsin are kind of the four little uh, four teams in our region that we kind of play a lot. Um, So the region's kind of difficult because you got Austin and Dallas and some of those Texas teams that, they play a lot more than we do because unfortunately we get a little bit more snow um, come November, December, January. So we don't have the ability to train 12 months out of the year. It's pretty much about eight or nine. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that that's something we don't have to contend with the snow. <laughs> I was just uh, editing the UCC one the other day and they, they mentioned about a, a tournament Avenue get called off because the field was snowed under and, uh, we have guys complain that it's wet because it's rained the night before and we're, you know, it's it's a bit too icy and cold. So. Hey, Riff, remember that night training before we got shut down when it was running sideways and the bickering complaining that come from the boys that night? Yeah, um, I was inside having a I was going to say, pretty sure, you actually, <laughs> pretty sure you actually inside that night. The, the, funny, the funniest story about that is my first game that I played was basically in a downpour the entire time and the whole center section of the ground that we played on was a mud pit the entire game so like the first my first intro into playing the first ever game i ever touched a footy was basically in a downpour in kansas city we played in a their kind of local tournament when kansas city was still around i mean literally i was soaked to the bone for the next two hours because it literally was downpouring the entire time oh that's when you've had your first game like that, at least it can only get better from there. So, you know, we're running around mid, mid-April, mid you know, March, and it's still sunny and nice, and then it hits June, July, and it starts raining, and guys are complaining, oh, it's a bit too cold to train, or it's it's a little bit too wet. Oh, it's football, mate. It's a winter sport. You've got to play it in the all conditions. But, uh, yeah, I'm bloody glad we don't have to deal with snow, that's for sure. I'm not going to lie to you, Riff. You're right about now, I'd be happy to play in the snow. Right about now, yeah, we play. We do anything to play footy right now, um, but 
unfortunately we can't. But what about the national champs? How have you guys fared in that? Oh, let's see. We've actually kind of had on and off success. Um, 2012, the, the club's uh, one and only national championship. Uh, conveniently, that was one of the years I was off. I was doing some work at the time and wasn't able to be there. But we have won a Division Four national championship. And then uh, this last year, we finished uh, runners-up in Division Four as well. So we've, we've had kind of on and off success. Um, I think the biggest thing for us is, is being a club that's pretty much all American. Uh, we don't have too many Aussies that get to Des Moines. Uh, unfortunately, it's not exactly a destination city, shall we say. So we kind of have to really develop the American player. And conveniently this year, we actually got lucky. We had a couple of Irish guys um, that were in town that uh, they wanted to play some football. And it wasn't Gaelic, but it was something. They joined with us, and they really helped us out a lot. But, uh, yeah, we actually were able to finish second this last year at our Nationals in, in Florida, which was a lot of fun for the guys and especially being my first year coaching is kind of a fun little accomplishment to get us all the way to the grand final yeah we got nipped by two points in the final but i was still really proud of the guys for having a really good tournament yeah no that's uh getting there's the main thing unfortunately you lost but well, at least you had a good showing um but what about sponsorships for the club and getting support for the club how hard have you found it uh, it's always fun. Um, it's always interesting trying to find people and then explaining what they're giving their money to. Um, we have got lucky. We've got a couple of good sponsors. Uh, we have a, our, a local pub, the, uh, the Royal Mile downtown. They're kind of an old British style pub and they've, uh, ever since we started, they've been right behind us. Um, so they've always been kind of really good help to us. And then we, there's actually a, a brewing company that opened up their own restaurant in Des called exile brewing they uh, kind of hopped on they're not as connected to us they kind of they give us free beer they let us do the occasional event there but they're not as uh involved shall we say at least with the royal mile they give us money they they pretty much say hey um if you guys come here after training we'll give you 20 percent off all your food so almost always after training we're like hey guys we're going to the royal mile we want to make sure and then uh, when COVID hit here, a lot of the restaurants shut down and uh, the club as a whole decided we wanted to help them out since they'd helped us out too much. So we pulled together, I think it was like $700 worth to buy gift cards just to give them a little money to keep them going. And uh, um, they were really, really appreciative. And they did a shout out on social media and we made sure that they kind of knew that and we were kind of really kind of getting everybody to try to buy food from them and just to kind of keep them going. So that's always been kind of a great connection for us. Uh, it's great that uh, you're able to get get a place that su- supports you guys and support a business in the local community. And uh, you should have seen Ed Dog's eyes light up when you said you get free beer. He was like, "Oh, oh, I see, oh, I see." When you start laughing, I'm like, "What the hell is so funny, Rifty?" <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, my, they give my us eyes ca- did light up when you said free beer. I was like, "Oh, free beer!" Yeah, they give us they give us a few few cases every year, and it's. It's always kind of fun to see several of the guys who are like, hey, we've got cases of beer over here, no no charge, anything like that. And we'll get 10 or 12 guys from the other club like, oh, yep, we, we got it. So, so when we've been speaking to all these clubs around the world and we're thinking of, you know, places we might like to visit, Des Moines wasn't really high on the list because you don't have any professional sporting clubs there that would be interested in going and seeing. But then as soon as you said free beer, I think you might have just skyrocketed to the top of that dog's list there. <laughs> uh, well, as you, as you said, they've got a pub that's a sponsor. And we know my track record in pubs, Drifty. Yeah. They could end up with some bloody good players with my recruiting, getting, getting people drunk and recruiting. But um, so obviously you guys go to the pub for a feed and stuff like that. What other um, things do you guys do for the social side of the club? Uh, we, we try to do at least... Uh, a kind of opening season kind of get together to kind of get everybody back together. Unfortunately, like I said, with kind of a long winter, sometimes it's not always easy to kind of do a off season training, especially considering a lot of gym spaces are taken up for basketball and different sports like that. So we try to get together early March. Most of the time, try to get like Australia day taken care of to where we'll get together. We'll try to get a game on the, the, the TV. If we can, we'll have a few beers, chit chat, kind of just shoot the shit basically just kind of make sure we all catch up and then we'll do the opening of the year social got to do a grand final party um it's not as 
extravagant as some. I mean, there were a couple of years we did a few uh, raffles, but they weren't always so much fun. So the last few years have just kind of been a, let's get together at a, a, some kind of place, either somebody's place or this last year we had a, one of our members uh, in an apartment complex and they had like a, a kind of a gathering place and they had a big screen. So we were able to watch the game there. Unfortunately, the GWS didn't show up that day. So wasn't exactly the greatest game to watch, but it was still a good chance to catch up with everybody, have a few drinks and enjoy some footy, which some of the guys don't always get up early to watch the games. I can understand why you wouldn't want to get up early. I um, just want to go back a second. So Rifty mentioned that there's no uh, major league sporting teams in Iowa and Des Moines. The fact that AFL is currently being shown on cable TV, Fox Sports, one or ESPN, whatever it's on at the moment, are you hoping the fact that because Iowa doesn't have any major sporting teams, the fact that AFL is on TV at the moment that might help you guys recruit some extra players that might you know, find it a bit interesting and want to come down to the Roosters? Yeah, uh, I think really the biggest thing is is, is um, using the social media and using anything we can. Um, I know I've been really getting on our face, the, the gentleman who runs our Facebook page, and then I actually run our Twitter page. So I'm constantly using the Twitter page and being like, anytime there's any American that's talking AFL, I reach out and I'm like, hey, did you know there's a league in the USAFL? And I'll click on their profile and see. And we've actually had a few guys here in the area that, uh, that were tweeting about Aussie rules. And uh, I reached out to them like, hey, we've got a team here in Des Moines. I'd love for you to come. We'd love for you to come down, have a kick. We'll teach you anything you want. If you have any questions about the game, uh, I've even caught an Iowa, uh, an Australian who lives in Solon who didn't even know there was a club and he caught it and he's like, oh my God, you have a team? I'm like, yep, we got an Aussie Rules football team. And he's like, he's like, I'm definitely coming down for a kick. So it's being able to catch Aussies in Iowa, which again, there's not a ton, is awesome. And being able to catch Iowans that, that are going to get interested. The biggest question is, is commitment because it is a long season I mean, it is March to October. So it, it is not easy sometimes. And especially considering here in Iowa, the humidity gets interesting. We've had a few training days where it's a hundred degrees or I don't know what it is in Celsius. I'd have to do the, the math. I can't remember what it is. Uh, it's hundred degrees Fahrenheit here with a 110 degree heat index. And we still got to train because if we don't, we're behind. Yeah. I couldn't imagine having to train in that type of uh, humidity bit. I run our club's uh, Twitter page and I'm quite active on Twitter, my personal account myself. And I have noticed that a lot of, um, anytime an American or someone expresses, oh, I've seen AFL for the first time, you jump on there and there's comments from, you know, Brian Barish's, his personal account or the USAFL account, yourself, um, our mate Craig from Yank on the pot, Yank on the footy. Like a lot of clubs are straight on there. I think I've seen Dallas jumped on one of them because the bloke lived in Dallas and it's, Really good to see that these um, clubs in America are keeping an eye out and sort of watching when new Americans mention about the game and try and get in and try and get them while their interest is so keen in it. Because otherwise, but, you know, they don't get into it now. By the time, you know, as we spoke before, basketball is back the day recording this. You know, they can easily drift away back into you know, their normal sports they're used to and just forget about Aussie rules very quickly. Yeah, and I think the other thing kind of too is that with, with us is that because we don't have professional sports is that sometimes with college, with some of the collegiate athletes in town with no opportunity to play pro sports, we've been really trying to get a hold of some of these collegiate athletes here in the area to be like, hey, this is a chance for you to play a legitimate league type of sport and you get a social atmosphere out of it to where you get mates. I mean, almost all the guys in the club, I mean, we're all mates now. We all sit there. When I had my wedding, half of the club showed up at our wedding reception. Um, most of us will all show up. Like if somebody's got errands to do at their house and they need help, all they got to do is ring the roosters. And most of, uh, most of us will try anything we can to help them out. So it's really kind of cool to see the mateship help out. And the other thing is with that is, especially with me using the roosters Twitter pages, is that if I find somebody in a different city, I will intentionally make sure and tag that club that's closest to them just to help them out like i've reached out to a guy that was in denver and i reached out to the denver thing and be like hey denver you've got a person here that sounds really really interested i think you might want to reach out and they'll reach back out to me like thank you and, and it's kind of things so it's like 
if I can get somebody interested in footy, even if they aren't going to play for the Roosters, that's good for the league. That's good for me because it makes the league better. So yeah. I'm going to do whatever I can to help the league out. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> you know, as I said, I run our Twitter page and I've done that a few times. There was an you know, example, the bloke from Dallas I mentioned, he, I seen that he was uh, from Dallas and was interested. So I actually on through our club page, shared our interview, the ding goes to him to go, Hey, I know, you know, there's a club here now, but here's a bit of history about him. He gave it a list and was super keen to get, down to the dingoes once he could. But uh, you mentioned about training in 100 degree Fahrenheit. Imagine training in 38 degrees Celsius, 50. I reckon <laughs> we played a game, a preseason match, and it was probably about 35. And when was that? Because I don't think I, I was, played. <laughs> no, I don't think you, you played. It was a few years back now, and there was a fair bit of sunscreen getting passed around before the game. Um, and yeah, I remember just cramping up something severe in the last quarter and basically couldn't walk. I was I cramped up that bad. And I thought, yeah, I'm glad we play this in winter. Um, but one thing with the Twitter, mate, just make sure you don't hassle Pat McAfee too much because you, <laughs> you might get blocked. <laughs> I, I, I actually have not done anything in him. I know there's several people uh, that I've seen that have... Uh, basically said the reason I'm watching this is because of Pat McAfee. So he's been as eccentric as the guy is. He's been super helpful. I mean, and then the fact that I think what was it, Eddie McGuire and Brian Taylor are now doing a serious XM radio show yeah. in the U S which is like, I mean, that's awesome because that's a great thing for us. It's like now Americans are seeing this and I can't tell you how many, when I'm interacting on Twitter, they're like, Oh my God, why have I not heard of this sport? And we're like, it's kind of a hidden treat, but hey, we've got a league in the US. You should come out and like, hey, check out the USAFL Nationals because there's a lot of really good footy being played here in the States. I mean, the last time I looked was that our US Nationals is the biggest tournament for footy in the entire outside of Australia. So, I mean, it, it's so much fun. Nationals is a ball. Three days of five fields of footy pretty much all day it is a ball yeah it's it's on the bucket list for us now that's for sure and when you mentioned about college athletes and trying to get them i've mentioned it a few times when speaking to the u.s clubs that if you are able to get a couple wide receivers from college football and get them across you'd you'd almost have the perfect center half forward just ready mm -hmm. to be molded into to an afl player right there like with their ability to Athletic ability to jump up and catch the ball at the highest point, things like that. You just have to teach them how to kick and then let their instincts take care of the rest. And you'd, uh, you'd have quite the athlete. And I'm surprised that we haven't had more Americans make it over to, to the AFL that might have been, you know, college athletes that weren't, weren't quite up to that pro level. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, yeah, we've we've got Mason Cox at the moment, but I'm um, I'm still shocked that we haven't had any wide receivers or anything like that come across. That yeah, like I said, you you, you almost got the perfect mold for center forward right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I th I think the biggest thing with that is is that it's kind of like with Mason Cox. If you've even heard some of the interviews, it's like for most of them, it's just they just don't know about it. I mean, I know last time I knew they were they they try to do a combine in LA every year with football players, basketball players. But I think the biggest thing is there's still some AFL kind of big wigs that are still kind of iffy because you basically have to build these guys from scratch because they have no skills. But my counteraction to this is, is you can teach them all the correct habits. They don't have bad habits that they taught in the under eights, the under tens, the under fifteens. Like you have sometimes, You've got guys in the AFL now that have some really funky kicks, like Jong's Myers. The guy has one of the most interesting kicks I've ever seen in my life. That's the way he did. Whereas, like, if you get a wide receiver from some mid-level college and you teach him how to kick right, how to handball right, you've got an athlete there that can play anywhere on the ground, and he's got better hands than a lot of people. He's got better speed. The biggest question will be is, does he have the cardiovascular conditioning? Because, unfortunately, football, I agree with one comment I heard, is it's the worst things – American football is the worst things about American society. 
committee meetings and violence. <laughs> yeah. Because lit literally I saw one statistic was like the total amount of football and gridiron is actually about 11 minutes and 53 seconds for an actual game of actual play. Yeah. And, and then you've got to consider that that player might've only played one third of those minutes as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I played uh, gridiron back when I was a junior, and as fun as it is, it's once you then start playing Aussie rules again, you're like, this is so much more fun because I'm out on the field a hell of a lot more. I'm not standing off watching, and then all right, now it's my turn to go for three, four plays, and if we've done well, we've stopped them in four plays, and then I'm back on the sideline watching again. So, um, yeah. Definitely, I know what you mean by that cardiovascular. You would, but like you said, you've got athletes that would be just prime, ready to, to mould into the player you needed. But let's talk about your playing career, mate. So what, what position did you play? Uh, I was, I'm not the smallest guy in the world, so I was pretty much stuck at full forward, kind of the forward pocket. Um, what I lacked in ability to run, and jump I made up for in watching and kicking. I really kind of watched a lot of AFL, so I really kind of studied some of the better kicks and kind of how to do things. So for me, I kind of took pride in it's like if I'm not going to be the fastest guy in the world, I'm not going to be the guy that does a don't argue and tries to get off people. I mean, I'm going to be able to, if I can get a mark, I'm going to be able to kick a goal. And that was the one thing I kind of took pride on is my kick was probably one of the better ones. The biggest thing was, is could I get the ball? It was more of the question for me. Yeah, so you're a smart man right there, Rifty. A full forward that uh, <clears throat> knows his role, knows that you don't need to be the flashiest player in the world as long as you can mark the ball and kick goals, mate. Yeah, you're the star of the team. Um, so what number did you wear back in your playing days? Uh, so what number did you wear in your playing days? Um, I actually wore two numbers. I wore number 40 and number 41. Oh, he's part of the 40s uh, club, Rifty. <laughs> part of the 40s. Yeah, uh, I, I wore the number 40 because um, in the state of Iowa, um, a lot of us are huge college athletes. And my hero, um, when I was a kid, played college basketball at the University of Iowa. His name was Chris Street. And unfortunately, he was tragically killed his junior year of college in an unfortunate uh, snow um, we have a uh, trying to find the right word here. Uh, snow pushers, basically. We kind of clear the road sometimes. And he had an accident. He was coming out of a pregame dinner and had an accident with it and was killed um, at the time. And being a Iowa born kid, um, a lot of us can you kind of grew up and you kind of idolize those, those people that you watch. So, um, that was the number he wore and he was always kind of my hero. So when I had a chance, uh, because I was kind of the first member of the club, I uh, was able to get that number and I wore that number and then took a couple of years off and that number got passed on to another player and 41 was the next available jumper I could actually fit and um, hopped into that and uh, played uh, two more years in that number. So 40 and 41 were the two numbers that I had the pleasure of wearing uh, the Des Moines Rooster for. I know I like this bike, Rifty. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a touching story on why you chose that number. It's good. We like uh, to hear, you know, reasons why people choose a number and it's an unfortunate accident that happened. But um, that's a nice way to, to you know, honour your hero and, and wear his number on your back. Um, mm. But who do you follow in the AFL? You mentioned you're going to have to get up at 2am to watch him. So who do you follow? Oh boy, you guys are going to give me so much stick on this. Um, I am a Sydney Swans supporter. Oh, that's all right. That mate, you've uh, you wouldn't be the first in the US that's uh, a Sydney supporter. It's fairly common. Uh, yeah, but the, the interesting thing though is that I I don't choose my teams like even my pro teams here in the states. I don't choose my teams on convenience, shall we say? Most of my professional teams, the one thing I comment kind of have in common is, is I like unique nicknames. I like nicknames of teams that are not common. Um, I mean, you get most of these, the Bulldogs, the Eagles, stuff like that. And it's like, for me, there are no sports teams in the States that are called the Swans. 
Um, a lot of the guys, a couple of the Aussies that were in and around Des Moines were huge North Melbourne fans. And I'm like, well, that's kangaroos in Australia. Kangaroos are pretty popular. So I was kind of like, nah. I, so those were kind of the two teams I fought over. And I was like, and going down the wormhole of YouTube, I actually saw uh, the Nick Davis 2005, the, I think it's an elimination final where he kicks four goals to help Sydney beat the Cats. And kind of that helped. And then when they, the Leo Berry mark helped them win the 2005 grand final. And that was kind of, I love those two highlights when I watch kind of the YouTube videos. So it was kind of, that's kind of how I became a Swan supporter. So it's not like I just saw the 2012 grand final and was like, yeah, I'm going to hop on the Swan bandwagon. I was kind of, I had a unique and little bit of a different story. Now 2012 happened. That was really cool. I hadn't fully committed at the time. I had kind of gotten back into it. So it was kind of convenient, but I was like, I had seen the highlights and you always thought it was kind of cool. So that's how I became a Sydney Swan supporter. That's yeah, a good story behind that one. Normally it's just sort of, that's a team that I play for. So that's a team I'm going to support. Um, so who is your favorite player of all time? Oh, it's so hard. Cause I mean, right now, you right now, unfortunately he's injured, but Buddy's one of my favorites. Um, I even liked Buddy when he played for Hawthorne, but, um, if I really had to, it's hard not to see the Swans jumper and not say Adam Goods. Yeah, that's uh, again, that's been a, a name that's come up with our supporters or over that you know that are Sydney supporters, and we've mentioned it many times that he was a unbelievable player, fantastic player, and unfortunately, the stuff that sort of happened at his tail end of his career and uh, has sort of over here, at least, has put a bit of a mark on his career, but yeah, I don't think it's fairly, yeah, fair at all to have that yeah. mark on his legacies. But he was a fantastic player yeah. for sure. Yeah, I was actually able to see both of the um, the docos that came out uh, about him, and it was it was hard to watch at times, because it was like, I mean, I just kind of didn't understand why everything kind of came out the way it did. I mean, I, I you kind of understand it. I mean, there's two sides to every story. And I've always said to some, it's there's one side, there's the other side. And usually in the middle is actually what's actually happening. So that was kind of a hard situation sometimes to watch. Like it, that was two difficult docos to watch that, to watch everything that had happened. And it was sad to see such a great player kind of go out kind of so kind of, unspectacularly kind of just kind of anticlimactic would probably be the best way I would say. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Probably should have, uh, you know, like many of the greats that have, you know, retired and their last year's a big celebration sort of thing. You get, you know, when, uh, an NBA, you know, Dwayne Wade's retiring, it's his last year. Every game he played was a spectacle and, um, you know, a farewell to him and stuff. And it's unfortunate that sort of, yeah, his career was marred by that. But let's lighten it up a bit. Let's, uh, it's time for Ed Dog's favourite where you get to throw some of your teammates, current teammates, former teammates, what be, uh, whoever, under the bus. Um, so what are your first, Ed Dog? All right, mate. So who are the Roosters, would you say, is the class clown? Oh, boy. We've got several. We've got several jokesters, but... Uh, this one's actually relatively easy. The the guy I would say he's still around is uh, Daba uh, Joey Abadala is our biggest jokester. The guy always has a joke. He always has something funny to say. He's always messing around. Always trying to play practical jokes on the guy. So that one that one's relatively easy. The Joker is is Daba. Nice. Lovely. How about the party animal? Oh, that one's that one's difficult because we've we've got several guys that that like to enjoy a nice evening. Um, I'd have to say a tie. One of my old teammates, uh, Ben Judge, Judgey, uh, you can he'll throw a few back, and halfway through the night, we'll, we'll have. You can definitely tell he's had a few. Uh, quite an interesting character once he once he gets a few once he gets a little bit of liquid courage in him. And then I think the new kind of party animal now is uh, Shotgun uh, Josh Curtis. Oh, well, I've heard a couple of nicknames. I may as well get to it. Yeah. So who's, yeah. got the oh, best, who's got the best nickname at the club? Oh, and that's the sad part is a couple of the really, really good nicknames that are just kind of random. Like our guys that no longer play with. One guy used to play named Tim. We called him T-Bone. 
And uh, we had one guy who was a relatively young guy. And all of a sudden, one year he came back and he had put on 40 pounds, like 20 or 30 pounds of muscle. So we started calling him Popeye. <laughs> yeah. Um, current day right now, um, a lot of kind of real Aussie style. Let's cut the end off a last name and throw IE on it, like Judgy. Uh, Shotgun's a good one with Josh Curtis, but most of them. I know a couple of the guys have nicknames for me. Like I'm either D Chuck or D Train, depending on who is talking to me, which is always interesting. Uh, so we've got several nicknames, not as many as I think as some teams, but uh, we've got a few interesting ones. At least their blokes come back you know, with 20 to 30 pounds of muscle, unlike yes. our blokes that have come back with 20 to 30 pounds of fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be, I'll be. I'll be close to that by the time uh, lockdown's over. Uh, right, right, you've got you got Josh in Texas to contend with. Oh, they'll. I'll be close to the twenty pounds. They'll be close to the forty pounds. <laughs> forty fifty. Um, but who's the person that takes the game far too seriously? Oh boy, uh, we got we got a lot of guys that a lot of guys that take it seriously. But probably the one I think it takes takes it the most seriously is one of our female players, is Emily. She is quite the, when she plays, it, she plays. It, it's her teammates know when they've done something wrong. She will let them know. You can tell halfway across the field if somebody has messed something up and Emily has seen it, you will know. So I, I love the girl to death. She's our, she was our first female player and now we've got four or five, but she is, she, she's one of those, when she steps over that white line, She's a competitor and a competitor to a T. So it's like you always can tell when she's when she's on the field. You know it. Sounds a bit like you at though. Just just giving sprays to her teammates for not kicking it to her nice enough. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about, Mark. Maybe you have to what was her name? Emily. Oh, yeah, Emily. Nickname her E Dogging. <laughs> uh, I think most of the time we just call her M. Again, not exactly the most unique names, but she's she she's she's a firecracker. I'll tell you that. Uh, all right. So who's who's the one person you wouldn't want to have room with on a footy trip away? Oh, we got several. I'm, I'm not exactly the biggest partier, so that that'd be interesting. Um, I know he's no longer with us now, but he's former expat. His name is Ben Hensgen. And let's just safe to say he enjoyed the nightlife, both with the drink and with the ladies. Um, I had one very interesting story. We were in Milwaukee and we were going back after the bar had shut down and he had a random girl he met on the street and invited her to our hotel. And I was up in our room and he hops up there and knocks on the door and lets me know, hey, this this girl may be coming and I'm like, okay, okay, then. So it was, he's, he was the one I was kind of scared when I roomed with him because he just <laughs> never knew what was going to happen. I mean, this is the guy that bought a full case of beer and sent it up to our room after he had drank for probably about four or five hours at the bar already. Smart man. Thinking ahead, getting beers delivered to the room. I like it. All right. So last one, which two blokes got the biggest bromance? Oh, that, that one's fun too. Cause we got a couple, we got a couple of pairs that are quite interesting. Uh, Daba and Craig are, are quite, quite the friends, but they, they were friends before they even joined the club. So in fact, one, I think Craig joined and then he got, he got Joey to join. And then the other one are, they've also known each other for a while. Shotgun and Peter Bailey are, are kind of our two different little bromances, kind of old and new, new style bromances. Those are a couple of guys that they're almost always around each other. So. Nice. It's a few bromances going around. That's great. And like you said, it's always great when uh, blokes join a footy club and make make lifelong friends. And uh, you know, we can relate to that yeah, immensely. Because, like you you mentioned, you know, half your wedding was guys from the footy club, and Ed Dogs was the same. Probably more than half. I'd go probably <laughs> I'd go outside direct family. It was probably all footy club. Yeah, <laughs> um, but. That's that's a great thing about footy, and we're finding all around the world is that you know not only do you join a club, but you gain another family, and um, it's it's been great to learn about your family over there in the Roosters. Um, we wish you all the best uh, for everything ahead, and hopefully, you know, your your state can uh, make a good recovery from COVID and shit, and you can uh, get get some footy played at some point. But 
give your uh, your Facebook, your Twitter and stuff a shout out and we'll make sure everyone goes and follows along those. Yep, and it will be it will be at Des Moines Roosters Facebook. We're on Instagram as well. And then I also we are on Twitter at DM Roosters Footy. Um, you got uh, you're in Australia, you're in in the US, uh, feel free to reach out. Um, when it comes to training, we got an open door policy. If you're if you happen to be in Des Moines and we're training that day, you are more than welcome to come out. So if you guys ever find your way over there and it's footy season, come have a kick with us. We're, we're more than welcome to have you guys there. We're always looking for uh, new players, new fans, all that. So, so open door policy with us. Yeah, no, awesome. Uh, we have the same policy at ours, mate. If you're ever over in Oz and looking for a place to have a kick and, uh, um, you know, in between going to, to watch the Swans play at the G or something, uh, yeah, come down to Edinburgh and uh, have a kick with us, mate. Anytime. Yeah, definitely. It's one of my buck one of my bucket list things. I want to get down there and, if anything, catch at least at least a game at the SCG. But if I could get down to the G, go see a game at the MCG, I'm definitely gonna do that. If I get down there, I would definitely stop by. And uh, I love that. Uh, I love your guys's um, emblem. So if there's any way I could get a like a T-shirt or anything, that'd be awesome. Yeah, no, we'll yeah we'll sort you something out. We'll send you over, mate. Maybe one of our new beanies that's got it on there. For those wintry months uh, when you're in the snow. Oh boy. Uh, thanks again, mate. Nah, no problem. You guys have a good night. Yeah, catch up. Thanks for watching the Cobra Cast with the present VP. And if you need somebody to talk to, why not contact New Life Psychology in Berwick? They are now taking phone appointments. Or you could head to otlr.com.au for tips and info. And we are supporters of TAC's Towards Zero campaign. Head to towardszero.vic.gov.au for more info because zero is the only acceptable number. Hey Siri, play the Cobra Cast with the present VP.